Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode number 78 of the podcast. Today's guest is Sorel King, the author of the new book, Josie's Story, A Mother's Inspiring Crusade to Make Medical Care Safe. In 2001, Sorel's 18-month-old daughter, Josie, died tragically after a series of preventable errors at one of the world's top hospitals. In the aftermath, Sorel channeled her energy not into destroying the hospital, but instead into helping all hospitals learn and make improvements based on what happened to Josie. Sorel started the Josie King Foundation and has been an influential voice in the healthcare quality and patient safety movement. While today we're not discussing quote-unquote lean per se, I think much of what Sorrell talks about will resonate with lean thinkers, as well as with anyone uh, who has an interest in safer health care in terms of what's needed from a systems, communication, and leadership standpoint. So I want to welcome uh, our very special guest today, Sorrell King uh, from the Josie King Foundation. Thanks for taking some time to talk today. Uh, thank you, Mark. It's good to be here. Um, so I want to start first, maybe if you can tell us about uh, your new book, Josie's Story, and you know what you think the the lessons are that can be learned, you know, from the the tragedy that you and your family had suffered through. You know, what what are the lessons for healthcare providers about some of the keys to better patient safety? So, so the book uh, just, just got published a few weeks ago, and um, you know, I wrote I wrote the book for a number of reasons. I wrote it for the healthcare industry so that they will always remember the story and remember the importance of communicating, the importance of good teamwork, the importance of listening to the patients, listening to the family, listening to each other. Um, I wrote it for, for the leadership of hospitals so that they will realize the importance of uh, their staff, their docs, and their nurses. Um, saying to them, quality is important, patient safety is important, let's prevent these errors from happening. Um, I wrote it for any parent that's ever lost a child and um, wrote it for, for, my, for my children, for my family, so that they'll always remember Josie. But I really wrote it for, um, and one of the most important threads throughout the book is, um, I wrote it for anyone, any person who's ever suffered from loss or disappointment. Uh, we, we're all going to suffer from loss or disappointment. It might be death, it might be cancer, it might be a divorce, it might be a loss of a job or bankruptcy. But um, I think the main message in the book is about taking that bad stuff and figuring out a way to make something good come of it. And by doing that, we not only sort of help ourselves, but we can help others. And um, so that was kind of my purpose in writing the book. Well, I, I was going to ask, you, know, you talk about channeling what, what could have been, you know, um, a lot of anger into something constructive. As, as you've looked into some of the, the, the causes of, of medical errors, I'm wondering if you can share some of the things that you learned and, you know, what, what you found that was maybe surprising about why, why incidents, medication errors, preventable errors occur. After Josie died, it you know, I, I kind of, first first thing I never really knew was that patients, um, there was that medical errors are happening. Um, I, I didn't know eight years ago that 98,000 people die from medical er, er, errors every year. Um, fourth leading cause of death in the country, like a jumbo jet crashing every day. I didn't know that. Um, and, you know, that was another reason I wrote the book, was to, to raise awareness um, within the general public. 
And the, the book, the main message, the main sort of patient safety message in the book and sort of in, in the work that I do with the foundation is the communication piece and the culture piece. Um, you know, we all know that the Joint Commission uh, states that over 70% of all sentinel events are due to a breakdown in communication. So, so that's my message as a mother um, and as a patient safety advocate. Josie died because people didn't communicate. Um, and that's a lot of that's the problem with a lot of these medical errors. It's not one doctor or one nurse or one misplaced decimal point. It's the the system, the breakdown in the system, the breakdown in communication. Um, so, so that's really kind of my message in the book. Um, change change the culture. Um, leadership needs to speak up. Encourage their you know uh, employees to to do something about this. Now, I know you speak to a lot of hospitals. You've spoken to groups like um, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. What, what is the, the reaction or, or reactions that you get from uh, medical providers, uh, physicians, hospital leaders? When, when you hear their message, uh, how, how do they respond in terms of what they think they can do or, or what's actually, actually possible? They, they, wherever I go, I mean, these speaking requests, I don't, go out looking for them they they just keep coming in which it's it's it seems crazy to me but everyone is very receptive um in improving this culture um it it seems like wherever i go i mean you know i i'm always at these big conferences patient safety conferences and um there's People are talking a lot about it, and there's PowerPoint, there are PowerPoint presentations, and there's a lot of data and a lot of statistics being thrown around out there, and that's all really great. But I think what the healthcare industry, I think what people are hungry for, and what I've learned over the seven years or so that I've been doing this, is, that, is the power of a story. Um, and the power of this story, it just seems to be resonating with um, the healthcare industry and medical schools and nursing schools and law schools are using the story. The aviation industry is using the story. Um, so I think the story is having a huge impact on um, on people out there. And um, and like I said, it's, it's changing the culture. It's helping people you know communicate better. And, and, and that's probably surprising the people where they must assume that a lot of it might be a technological problem. And people say, well, we just need you know, some new fancy technology, information systems, barcoding. But, you know, it, 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 it is pretty amazing that it comes down to, you know, these very human dynamics. So, you know, maybe on the one hand, things like that are easier to fix, but maybe on the same time, you know, if, if it was easy to fix, um, people would have a better culture in place already. Um, you know, what, what kind of thoughts have people shared with you about the, the difficulty, the gap between understanding that, we need to improve the culture and, and what people are actually do, at what they're able to do um, to, to make real change in, in their culture to improve safety. Right. I, I think it's, I mean, it's kind of a gray area. I think it's, it's a really hard thing. I, I want to go back a second. You, you kind of got me thinking when you were talking about technology and barcoding and all of that, um, which is all really, really great. But I think if we can change, if we do that without changing the culture, then I don't think it will be as effective. But if we can change the culture along with doing that, then, um, then I think we will really be on the right track. Um, I think changing a culture, from what I've learned and from what people tell me, um, sometimes people say, Sorrel, you're like a, a dog 
running up a hill with a rope in its mouth pulling a locomotive. They say, people say that changing a culture is like the hardest thing to do, I guess. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's happening. I think there are a lot of people that are out there doing some really great patient safety work. And I think it's hard for the healthcare industry because it is hard to measure. I mean, how do you measure potential lives saved? Or, you know, how do, it's kind of fuzzy and kind of gray and kind of vague sometimes. But, um, I mean, that's, that's, I just try to get the message out there. I try to inspire caregivers to, um, to think about it and, you know, why, why we're doing what we're doing. Why are we, why are we having this new technology? Because we've got to change the culture. It's all, to me, to me, it just seems all sort of interrelated. Yeah, and you talk about the fuzziness of the numbers. You know, people often ask, you know, uh, this 98,000 number, where does it come from? I think part of the problem is that uh, nobody really knows for certain if it's 75,000 or 125,000 or, you know, there's different studies. It's all based on, uh, you know, somebody's best determination and then extrapolating, you know, across the whole population. But I think what I think you're right, regardless of the exact number, um, each of these preventable errors and cases of patient harm or even patient death is, uh, you know, is one tragedy too many. And, you know, it doesn't get the attention that it would get um, to the analogy that you drew about, you know, a, a plane crashing every day that... Mm-hmm. Um, Unless it's a story like the one that that you're that that, that you tell, um, statistics can be hard to translate into something to get the general public aware of, or to get you know the healthcare providers uh, and and probably you know more importantly the hospital leaders uh, um, engaged around to improve culture. So I think that's seems like one of the challenges. Um, it's it's the whole awareness thing. It's still blows my mind and I, I think about it like you and I we all know we know what Mothers Against Drunk Driving does, does. we know what MAD is all about I mean we all know it. what a great organization that is um, we know about that organization because we're going to get in a car this afternoon and we're going to hope we don't get hit by a drunk driver and we all know about drunk driving we all know about these car accidents I think more people die from, from medical errors than do die from drunk driving um, and I, yeah, I don't. I, it just it blows my mind that the general public still doesn't quite get it. Um, you know, Mark, my book a couple months ago, my publisher called me up and said, "Hey, throughout Good Housekeeping is going to do, you know, wants to feature your book in the October issue. That's, that's right now, the this October." And I remember saying to her, "Well, gosh, I was really hoping for Vogue. I really would. I, you know, my 13-year-old would think that I was so cool if I was in Vogue." But my but the publisher said, "You know." Good housekeeping, 13 million people. Circulation of 13 million. Vogue is 2 million. Good housekeeping is the heartland of America. So, you know, through this book, which to me this book is just another tool, a foundation tool, another tool in my toolbox, but this book, you know, it's in Good Housekeeping, and the woman, uh, you know, mother in Des Moines, Iowa, is reading, is in a, a doctor's office, and she's probably looking at Good Housekeeping, and she's reading about medical errors and how to prevent them and what patients and families can do and what healthcare providers do. And so... You know, and hopefully in my small way, this book is raising awareness. And there's so many other great books out there. Jerome Groupman, Atul Gawande, Bob Walker, great, great books. But unfortunately, I don't think that some people in the general public might not pick, 
pick those books up because it's not something on the top of their head. But hopefully Josie's story, um, mothers and people can kind of relate to it because it's a, it's a mother who's writing a book, you know. Mm-hmm. And in, in the book, do you give advice, direct advice to, you know, a, a parent um, or anyone who has a loved one going to the hospital of, of what precautions or, or steps that they should take um, you know, in pretty concrete ways to help make sure um, that the environment they're in is a good one or that you know, errors are um, less likely to occur? What, what can people do? Right, absolutely. The book, in the, in the back of the book, there's a resource guide, which um, I was really psyched about. Um, the resource guide is split up into two sections. One section is for patients and for families. The other section is for healthcare providers. Um, and it's pretty much sort of steps on, you know, how to manage for the patient's families, how to manage your stay when you're in the hospital, what you do. Uh, when something goes wrong, what do you do? How do you get medical records? If you have to get a lawyer, how do you hire a lawyer? How do you go about it? What do you do? Um, and then for the healthcare providers, it's just, you know, programs and things, you know, that, that they can do to communicate better and change their culture within their organization. But the whole book, I mean, you know, the whole book is about um, sort of that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so if, if you read, the, if a patient reads the book they're, and they don't read the resource guide, they're definitely going to come away with, wow, when I go to the hospital, I've got to pay attention. Wow, I, I can't ever be afraid to speak up. I've got to ha- I should try to have a, uh, an advocate person with me. I should write down, I should document stuff. I should keep track of information. So that's kind of all throughout the whole book. And then it's the same thing for um, the healthcare provider. I mean, there's a whole bit about the importance of leadership um, doing what they, what need, they need to do and the importance of you know, what nurses can do and doctors can do and rapid response teams and family-activated rapid response teams and transparency and disclosure, the importance of all of that. So, so all of those threads are throughout the book, but it's all sort of tied up into a nice little package in the resource guide. Well, that's good. Uh, it's good to hear that um, there, there, there's something people can take away from the book because uh, we're, we're all uh, going to end up it's very likely when we have a loved one in the hospital this year, and uh, it's very important. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you're sharing that for, for people, uh, for their loved ones. Um, one final thing to talk about here, um, you, know, you channeled a lot of your energy um, after Josie's death uh, into the foundation, the Josie King Foundation. I was wondering if you could tell the listeners a little bit about some of the, the main activities and, and things that you're able to uh, accomplish through the foundation. Um, right, so so the foundation really kind of just stems from a settlement. You know, Hopkins offered us money for the for the death of, of um, our, our our daughter, um, and like this is all in the book. You know, we didn't want the money. We didn't we, by taking the money, we'd be letting them off the hook. Blah blah blah. But um, long story short, we took the money and um, we decided we'd do something for Josie. We'd do something good with it, um, and we created the Josie King Foundation. Our mission is to prevent uh, patients from being harmed or killed by medical errors, a simple mission. And um, we've got lots of, gosh, different programs kind of going on. Um, you know, money comes in from, from donors and um, sponsors and from people, healthcare industry people who uh, purchase a DVD, and then the money goes really back out into the healthcare industry. Uh, we've done a lot of family-activated rapid response projects, we've done a care journal project for patients and families, uh, you know, a little journal for them to take to the hospital um, so that they can keep track of information and sort of steps on how to manage your stay. Um, our latest project, which I'm really excited about, is called the Nursing Journal, and um, 
this is also in the book, a few years ago, um, you know, I, I, we kind of realized that, you know, it's not just the patients and the families that suffer from um, an adverse event. It's, you know, the doctors and the nurses really, really, really suffer too. Um, and this is a pro- program really just for, we started, we were going to start with nurses first. There's a nursing shortage. Nurses are stressed out. They, you know, they're being pulled in a million different directions. Um, and I, I think they've got a really tough job, and they're just, I admire them so much. Um, so we gave some money to, um, for some research to be done on the therapeutic benefits of um, expressive writing. And um, long story short, as, as I was working on this project, I was kind of um, struggling with it. I said, God, something's not right, something's not right. And then I said, oh, my gosh, I'm not a nurse. How am I supposed, I mean, who am I to tell nurses what's good for them? So we sent out an, an email to nurses all over the country saying, hey, send us your tips on what you do to deal with the stress of being a nurse. And it was so cool because we got tips from nurses all over the country on, on how they deal with it. And that's part of the Nursing Journal workbook. Um, but uh, So it's great. I mean, that, that program is really just two weeks old. And as I travel around the country talking about the foundation and talking about the book, um, I get to talk about the Nursing Journal and all these other projects, and um, it's gotten a, it's gotten really great response so far from from the nurses out there, and it's, I'm really excited about it. But our main, you know, the main goal, the main focus of uh, the foundation is, like I said earlier, the communication and the culture piece, um, and and that's what we do. I, I do a lot of public speaking. Um, I meet with medical students and nursing students and residents and law students and. Um, we've got a disclosure program. We've created a um, disclosure program to help ho- hospitals, um, you know, figure as a, um, to, so to explain to them the importance of transparency and how to um, talk to a family after um, there's been an adverse event, and um, you know, lots lots of other things. But that is a pretty pretty much the top few on yeah. my list right now. Well, it, it, it's great work, and um, I'm glad that you're doing it. Uh, the DVD that you mentioned, um, I would recommend, especially to listeners who are with a healthcare organization, um, that you know your organization can can buy that DVD, uh, JosieKing.org. Uh, it's a very powerful uh, DVD of Sorrell um, giving his speech, um, talking about uh, Josie's story, and uh, hopefully, it's something that um, people will purchase to help. Um, not only spread the message of um, Im- improving patient safety, but to also help fund the good works going there um, at your foundation. So, Sorrell, it's certainly an honor to have you um, with us today. Um, I want to thank you for your time. And um, you, it, do you have any you know, final thoughts um, to wrap up for the audience? Anything else you'd like to share? Um, you know, I, I read Josie's story. Um, if you're in the healthcare industry, it's it's great because. Doctors are coming up and they're saying, "Oh, uh, we got to buy these for our residents. Oh, our medical students need these. Oh, we got to get these to our board members. Oh, hey, can you write a dedication to my CEO? Or hey, our patient safety officers need to read this book." So it's it's having a really it's having the effect that I wanted it to have on people. I think it's it's, it's helping change the culture. It's helping inspire people to continue their really really great work out there. Um, and you know, I think I think if people are saying it's a good read. They like it. It's you know, they can they read it. They're done in a couple of hours. It's, it's not a real thick, long book. But um, I you know I just appreciate all that people are doing out there. I think really great things are happening, and we're on the right path. And it's it's all it's all good. 
And thank you for having me, Mark. Well, certainly. And um, thank you, Sorrell. Um, Sorrell King from the Josie King Foundation. Uh, it's great talking to you today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.